You're listening to the On the NBA Beat Podcast, a show packed with nuanced perspectives on the league's most important stories. Portland has three timeouts left. The Lakers have two. Bryant. To shot! LeBron James with no regard for human life! Jordan. Oh! A spectacular move by Michael Jordan! And now, your host. Lauren Lee Chen, and the twins, Aaron and Joshua Fishman. Hey listeners, this is Aaron Fishman. Ashish Mathur is today's guest. He's a Chicago-based writer covering the Bulls and Bears for the Outside Pitch Sports Network. In college, Ashish wrote a thesis on mindful meditation and continues to practice it to this day. We'll talk with him about how the Bulls have started this season with their very new-look roster and what we can expect moving forward from them. Let's start the show. Welcome to the show, Ashish. It's good to have you on. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. We have a lot to talk about. For the Bulls, there was so much player movement in the offseason. And, of course, they got Rondo and Wade, two guys that have won a, at least a championship in the NBA. They lost a former MVP in Derrick Rose. Noah was Defensive Player of the Year. Gasol had won championships in the NBA. But they're looking pretty good, somewhat inconsistent at, at times. But... Those two guys have that championship experience, as I mentioned. You don't want to overstate the importance of it, but in what ways can you see that experience manifested on and off the court? Well, uh, to start with the roster turnover, um, the roster turnover was needed in every facet. You know, Derek and Joakim did a lot for this organization and this city, but uh, with Jimmy sort of establishing himself as a new alpha on the team, I think it was time for those two to go. And I think uh, Gar Foreman, John Paxson, they did a pretty good job. Getting Rondo and Wade here was huge, just for the locker room. The locker room was toxic, full of turmoil last year. Covered covered their games a couple times last year, and that was one of the most dysfunctional teams I've ever seen um, in terms of not being able to handle any sort of adversity, get down by 10, 15, giving up. Um, so it was time for a change. And the biggest thing I can say that Wade and Rondo add to the team is accountability, which is huge. Uh, there was no accountability on the team last year. If, let's say, for example, Pau Gasol, who's notorious for being a bad pick-and-roll defender, there was no accountability with anybody last year. So Wade and Rondo started that from day one. First day of training camp, Rondo and Wade were stopping practices telling guys to knock it off, stop the chit-chat, we're here to practice. That wouldn't have happened last year. So they have been huge for the young guys, but Wade in particular has been huge for Jimmy Butler. Jimmy is kind of taking a backseat and just listened to Wade. And mm-hmm. as you guys know, Jimmy has been putting up just, he's been putting up MVP type numbers so far. So I'd say accountability has been the biggest thing that Wade and Rondo have brought to the team so far. It sounds good. Yeah, Butler has had some out- offensive outbursts. He scored 40 against the Lakers Sunday. Mm-hmm. This month alone, he had a 35-point, 37- and 39-point game. He's just going off. What have you seen from him offensively that's enabled this growth? You talked about Wade's influence. Also, how has he adapted? It seems like he's getting infinitely better on offense every single season. You know, Jimmy is crazy. I mean, this guy came into the league as a defensive stopper, averaged two points per game his first year, 
Um, he's got to be one of the most hardest working players, uh, especially in the off season. Um, I don't know if you guys know, he trains out in San Diego, gets up at four in the morning every day, trains with his trainer. So I can't say enough about Jimmy. I think the biggest thing with him, guys, is that he's just having fun this year. I think last year there was just so much dysfunction on the team with Jimmy calling Fred out publicly to the Chicago media, to Jimmy and Joakim having their beef behind the scenes. I mean, there was just so much going on. And uh, I think last year was kind of the first year Jimmy dealt with adversity in the NBA, you know, signing a max contract and being a 20-point scorer in the league. And he's just he just looks so much different. He's smiling. He, He's loving. He loves having Wade on the team, and I mean, like you said, he's putting up he's putting up MVP type numbers. I mean, he leads the league in win shares right now at three point eight, mm-hmm. averaging twenty six points per game. I mean, player efficiency rating close to thirty. I mean, there's he's really- shooting almost forty three percent from three too. Last year he was at thirty one percent. I mean, he's had some seasons in the NBA where he's been making threes, but never at this clip. Are you surprised at all or with how he's developed his outside shot or purely because of how hard of a worker he is? Does it not really surprise you that much? It it doesn't surprise me at all, man. This guy, again, he has to be one of the most hardest working players in the offseason. If you follow him on Twitter, Instagram, it's just straight up work, work, work. And he's never been a really good outside shooter. But I think uh, last year, you know, he had that knee injury, if you guys recall, and that kind of affected you know his legs didn't really have a lot of lift on his shot so yeah I mean he's just playing at an unbelievable level right now and I like how he's not settling for the three settled for a lot of threes last year did too much isolation last year I think having Rondo now Rondo's you know pass first point guard where Derek was a shoot first point guard I think that's also helping Jimmy out as well how would you assess the depth and talent level on the bench for the Bulls, though? It seems like at least the offense and shooting is there with guys like Miritich, McDermott, Cannon, all of whom we'll talk about in depth later. But other than that, is there much there on the bench? Uh, you know, the bench is definitely a weak point, uh, especially right now. I mean, McDermott's still out with the concussion. Carter Williams is out for another four to six weeks with the bone chip in his wrist. And... You know, Miritich, I mean, this guy can be, you know, a great player one night and then one of the worst players in the league the next night. So, I mean, it's a very shaky bench. Um, I think that's why you've seen Hoiberg kind of ride his stars a lot. And I don't know if you guys watched the game against the Nuggets uh, last week. I saw the, part of it, that big run. Yeah. Yeah. The Bulls bench, the Bulls bench gave up a 22 to nothing run to the Nuggets. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of hard to trust a bench when they do that. And it's not like the Nuggets are a great offensive team. So they need a little work. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if guard packs are on the phones trying to make some trades, see what the market's like. But the starting five is pretty solid and it's keeping them in a lot of games. But I definitely agree. The bench is definitely one of the weak points of the team. Yeah. I mean, the starting five, I think, especially Dwayne Wade this season, he's joined in on the three-point revolution that we (laughs) seem to be seeing around the NBA. Like, you're seeing guys like Mark Gasol put up more threes this season than the rest of his career combined. Wade is returning to 
his previous career high in terms of attempts per game. He's already shot more three-point attempts this season than all of last season. And he's shooting them well, too. What effect do you think that has for him and what it means for the offense? You know, I'm actually one of the only people not surprised by D-Way shooting the three again. You know, in Miami, you know, Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, they actually told D-Wade not to shoot the three out there. Not that he could have shoot it, it's just it kind of ruined the flow of their offense over there, especially, you know, when LeBron and Chris Bosh were there. But, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. Um, he's already made 20 threes this year. Um, like you said, he's attempting about four a game. I think the biggest thing is, guys, is that day one training camp, Hoiberg gave him the green light. He said, you can shoot the three whenever you want. And D-Wade's a scorer. You guys know how scores are mentally. If so, a coach tells them to give him the green light, it's pretty much done from there. So i um, not surprised at all. Um, I don't think it's going to last just because I don't think he's got the legs to do that all year. But, uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a pleasant surprise for a lot of people, but I'm honestly not that surprised. Once I heard Hoiberg giving him the green light first day of training camp, I knew it was going to be a fun year for D-Wade. And something... Also, that's been a trend for D-Wade these last few seasons, possibly related to him shooting more outside, is that he seems to be getting to the line a little bit less recent seasons. Do you think that's sort of a reflection of his role evolving and going to that outside shot a bit more? Or is that maybe a conscious decision to preserve his body by being a little bit less aggressive driving into the paint or something? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, the wear and tear on his body, you know, 13 seasons of being, you know, the main guy in Miami. But, uh, you know, I think just having Jimmy on the team, you know, he knows that Jimmy's the guy. Um, you know, first day, his opening press conference, he said, this is Jimmy Butler's team. And I think that was huge for everybody. You know, last thing we need is for, you know, we already had Derek and Jimmy not being able to play with each other. Last thing we need is Butler and Wade not being able to play with each other. So I think that was great by Wade to be the mentor for Jimmy. And, yeah, I think the jump shots are just, you know, everything's coming within the flow of the offense. No one's forcing anything. D-Wade's getting really good open looks, so why not shoot that when he's wide open? As you mentioned before, Rajon Rondo is definitely a pass-first point guard, but He's had points in his career where he's so afraid to shoot that he'll pass up wide open looks. It doesn't seem like he's doing that so much this year, but he's only shooting 36.6% so far. Is that worrisome for you? Or do you think it doesn't really matter so much since it's not his main role? Yeah, I don't know if you guys watched the Philadelphia game a couple of days ago. There was a play where Rondo was wide open for three and he was actually like jumping up and calling for the ball. And it, everybody in the Chicago media got a kick out of that. You know, like you said, Rondo's always been a putrid shooter and I don't think it's that big of a deal. You know, he's not here to score. You know, he's averaging seven points, six rebounds, seven assists. It's pretty much what everybody predicted him to do. Um, his leadership and, him being vocal on the floor has been his biggest attribute to the team. Um, you know, Hoya Brooks kind of a nonchalant coach. You know, he sits down the whole game. He's pretty quiet, and Rondo is very loud. He's the coach on the floor, and um, that's been huge for guys like Jimmy and, and Doug and Bobby Portis when he gets in there. So um, he's been a decent addition to the team. Uh, again, I don't think his shooting is that worrisome, but the floor spacing definitely is not at its best when, when he's out there. 
Yeah, he's definitely contributed passing and rebounding, and his leadership, as you said, has been amazing. But his defense has been terrible so far. The Bulls' defense seems to be playing way better when Rondo's not on the floor. What do you think about his defense so far? You know, it's interesting uh, that you say that. That's kind of been the talk in the Chicago media is supposed to get Rondo here for his defense and being a pest on that end of the floor. Um, and yeah, like you said, I mean, the Bulls defense has been sort of the middle of the pact, um, but they've been awful when he's been on the floor, uh, which is surprising, but I don't see that lasting. You know, you just got to look at his track record and against the Clippers, even though the Bulls lost that game, he was hounding Chris Paul the whole game. I think his defense will pick up. Um, he's, He's quietly dealing with a, an ankle injury that he's not really talking about, so that might be contributing to it. But the concern level for him, defense, it's not too high just because you just got to look at his track record and he's a pretty good defender at his position. Yeah, aside from Rondo, who else needs to improve on the defensive end? And who stepped up? Well, the biggest problem with the Bulls, guys, is that their two best perimeter shooters. Nikola Mirotic and Doug McDermott are also the two worst defenders on the team. And that's never a good thing. Um, Doug is getting better at that end of the floor. He worked out with Jimmy Butler this summer. Um, but his lateral movement, guys, it's, it's, it's on a high school level. I mean, opposing, wow. I mean, when opposing teams see Doug McDermott in the game, they're going at him right away, like right away, because you score three or four buckets in a row on Doug, what is Weber going to do? He's going to have to take Doug out. And then you just eliminated the bull, one of the Bulls' best shooters. So he's got a lot of work to do on the defensive end. Miritich is the same. He's putrid on that end of the floor. Teams just go at him at will. Um, and he's a huge flopper as well. So uh, that's another issue. But those two really have to get better on the defensive end if they want to get valuable playing time, especially if the Bulls are able to make it to the playoffs. I mean – playoffs as you guys know the game slows down it's defense with championships and it's just never a good thing to have your two best shooters to be your two worst defenders as well so you just gotta hope that they get better on that end but so far they've they've really struggled at that end of the floor yeah given those two guys defensive issues and and um, as joshua mentioned rondo's apparent struggles on that end they're ranked right now 10th, according to NBA.com's defensive rating. And uh, I think that after the Philadelphia game, they jumped from 15th to 10th. There's a lot of teams kind of bunched up. But is that promising for you to see right now that they're ranked 10th? Kind of like I said, they've been in the middle, but not bad, right? You know what a difference has been has been Robin Lopez. He's been okay. really good at the weak side help defense. Um, like I said last year, Paul Gasol was didn't have any aspirations of any help side defense. So Robin Lopez has been a huge steal, you know, to get him in the Derrick Rose trade. I mean, you look at his contract, I don't know what he's making, but you look at what some of these other guys are making, his contract is actually a steal. I mean, he's it's actually a better offensive player than I thought, you know, and the Bulls are actually running plays for him on offense, which is kind of funny to see. And he had a game this year against Miami where he had like 20 shot attempts and, Everybody was like, "That's crazy." So he's been a he's been a big surprise. Very active, physical guy. You know, seven footer, and uh, he's very tough guy. You're not going to out tough this guy, and uh, he's been a really, really good 
good guy for that defense and does a nice job of bailing out Rondo when he just is not in the mood to play defense. So he's been a big surprise, and I definitely think the Bulls coaching staff is happy with his play so far. Yeah, I think he's also not done bad offensively. He seems like a lot of people forget about his offense because he's such a solid defensive player. But sometimes he's able to make that mid-range shot, but he's just solid for 10 points per game, it seems like. Denzel Valentine, though, a really slow start. I'm encouraged that his playing time has increased as of late, especially over the most recent six games. I know you were surprised to a certain extent that their lottery draft pick from Michigan State wasn't really playing that much. Do you see him continuing to get more playing time? And as that happens, do you think that his shot will start to come around? I do. I do see his minutes going up. You know, he's only at 10 minutes per game right now. I think the biggest thing, guys, with him is he missed all preseason. You know, he sprayed his ankle in the first game of the preseason and then missed the rest of it. And for a rookie, you know, that that's huge. Miss your first training camp and learning how different the game is from college to the NBA. So I think his timing and rhythm were thrown off. But yeah, I do expect him to play more. He's just too smart of a player to not get minutes. You know, he four-year college guy, you know, gives the Bulls another ball hander, playmaker in the backcourt, plays good defense. I think his shooting will go up, but he's just got to get his confidence back. I mean, he had a great summer league. He hit the game winner in the summer league to give the Bulls a championship, and uh, he's shown flashes, but uh, I think the ankle injury in the preseason really threw things off for him because, uh, I mean, he missed the whole preseason, and it was the first time he told reporters he, this was like the longest I've been out. So for a young guy coming to Liga, I think that threw his rhythm off. But I think as the season progresses and Hoyerberg starts to trust him a little bit more, you know, I had Valentine being the Bulls' sixth man this year, first guy off the bench. I think he can still get that role as the season goes on. That's high praise for a rookie. And uh, Michael Carter-Williams is another guy that, when healthy, could be huge off the bench. Unfortunately, yeah. he's injured for a while now, and we'll see um, when they reevaluate him on December 7th how much longer that is. Probably not this calendar year, it's, it's looking like, but... What's your assessment of that trade, the Tony Snell for MCW one? Great trade, great trade. Tony Snell, um, in his three years of the Bulls, showed some promise but never made gradual improvement. And uh, it was time. You know, he's doing well in Milwaukee now, I see. Everything with Snell is about confidence. You know, he's had games where he scored 20, 25 points because he shoots without hesitation. So I think he has a bright future in Milwaukee, but yeah, it was a good trade. I mean, MCW six seven point guard, great defender. You could put him in the post to get easy baskets. Um, and then when you put him out there with Jimmy D Wade and Rondo and Gibson, I mean, that's a really good defensive unit out there. And uh, it, it's tough to see him with this injury right now. He he got hurt a third game of the year with the knee injury and. Uh, they just had an MRI, like you said, on his wrist. He's got a bone chip in his wrist. So he's looking at another four to six week absence. So um, it's tough. You know, Isaiah Cannon, the Bulls backup point guard, he's a shoot first point guard. So that's not ideal. You know, you'd like to have MCW in there to create for other guys. But hopefully, you know, he comes back. And, and yeah, I see him being one of the first guys off the Bulls bench as well. With that injury, though, Isaiah Cannon's gotten more playing time. 
I thought maybe Jerry and Grant would. Now he's been sent down to the D League. He only really <laughs> yeah. got minutes when Rondo was sidelined. So I think right. that's disappointing. He's looked good defensively, and and I thought they did pretty well. But it's a small sample size, of course. When Grant was playing with Cannon, mm-hmm. you have more of a, a shoot first point guard. He's been good from long range in his short career, but. Do you see his minutes diminishing a lot once Carter Williams returns? Mm, yeah, I do. You know, Cadden's a, a you know a very hot and cold player. It's been like that his whole career. Um, you know, he 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 needs other players. You know, to give him the ball. You know, he creates his own shot from time to time, but his shot selection is kind of poor. Uh, but yeah, I expect his minutes to go down when MCW gets back, and I expect Jan Grant to be called back up. Um, he had 34 last night um, for the Windy City Bulls, the, the Bulls Development League team. And um, I know Hoiberg and the Bulls staff really like his upside. So I expect him to be back up pretty soon. Um, I think they just wanted to send him down to get his confidence back up a little bit. But, um, yeah, to your question, I definitely see Cannon's minutes going down when MCW comes back. You talked earlier about, Miritich, what you seem to get from him is just like a uh, a plus shooter, a bad defender. Seems like he's settling into his role on the bench. Do you think that's the best place for him right now, just providing some offensive firepower there? And also, would you say what you see right now is what you get essentially from Miritich at this stage, or do you think there's more room for development for him? Yeah, Miritich is one of the biggest teases in the NBA. Um, his rookie year, he led the league in fourth quarter scoring in the month of March at around 20 points per game. Uh, when he gets into a rhythm, guys, I mean, this guy is one of the best shooters in the game. But his problem is, one, his shot selection, and two, his confidence. He sometimes thinks he's Stephen Curry. <laughs> he shoots some of the longest threes I've ever seen, and they're just horrible shots. And it just throws off the rhythm of the offense. It ruins his confidence. And he really needs to improve on his shot selection. This is a guy who was MVP in the in the Spanish league for a reason. And um, I think he's not even close to his potential. I think this guy can be a good player, but he needs to hit the weight room. He's very small in the upper body. Teams eat him in the post and, he needs to use his size more. He needs to go in the pose. He can shoot over anybody. He needs to stop relying on the three a lot. And even though he can shoot that, he needs to get better shots. So I think the biggest thing with him is confidence and shot selection. If he can improve that, I think this guy can be a borderline all-star, all-star for the Bulls. His decision-making, as you said, it seems like it leaves a decent amount to be desired at this stage. But the guy starting in front of him, Taj Gibson, uh, he's been with the team for a while now. It seemed like every season before this, he was sort of fighting for that starting role with a lot of depth around him in the front court. This season, it seems like he's firmly established himself as a starter. How do you think he is in that role with the rest of the starters? Yeah, Taj is a model of consistency. You always know what you're going to get from him. Guy made the ultimate sacrifice for the last few years coming off the bench, even though everybody knows he wanted to start. But he's just the ultimate pro, guys. I mean, he, he does everything that you ask him to do. And um, he's the team's best low post defender, um, better than Lopez. 
And I know it hurt him to see Joe Keem and Derek gone because those were his brothers, but uh, he's playing great. He's averaging 12 points, eight rebounds, a um, little more space for him to operate in the post now that Powell and Joe Keem are gone. And Hoya Briggs doing a good job of, you know, giving him his touches down there. But yeah, every team needs a Taj Gibson. Uh, I mean, this guy is just a great in the locker room and, and just does everything you ask him to do. And, you know, he said the other day that, you know, this Bulls team is like one of the best teams he's been on chemistry wise. And uh, I think that goes back to D Wade, you know, D Wade's just bringing everybody together. If you follow him on Snapchat, every time he puts a snap, Jimmy's in there, or one of his teammates is in there. So it's been, it's been a good start so far for the Bulls this year. The new players seem to be acclimating and the team um, overall seems to be playing a lot better. The Bulls have won seven of their past 10 games. What do you expect out of them going forward? Uh, see, something between four and six seed in the East. But, but here's the thing, guys. The the Bulls started out hot last year as well. You know, they had a similar record through, what is it, 18 games or something they've played. Um, or 16, sorry. And then they just fell off. I'm not saying it's going to happen again because I think this team is different. You know, I think they can handle adversity, but... I think this team's character will be tested once they start losing a couple games. I mean, that's what happened last year. And uh, the big thing last year was the Bulls got blown out by the Knicks and Butler called out Hoyerberg publicly, and that's it. The season was pretty much over after that. They just went into a huge slump. So I think it's still early. I mean, 16 games is nothing. They haven't really played. I think the best teams they've played so far this year are the Clippers. They lost to them. Uh, they beat the Celtics. They haven't played the Cavs yet. They haven't played the Raptors yet. Um, they lost to the Knicks. So I think the jury's still out. But um, overall, I definitely think the locker room is a lot better than last year. And that's the main part. And thanks again for joining us, Ashish. It's been great. Um, just one last question for you. Nine of the next 12 contests for the Bulls are going to come at the United Center. Yeah. How do you think that can help them? Yeah, this is a huge stretch for the Bulls guys uh, because they had a lot of road games to start the year. Um, and that was good for them too, to see if they could handle adversity and, and push through it. But yeah, these next uh, home games are huge because a lot of below 500 teams are going to come into the United Center. And the Bulls struggled with uh, below 500 teams for whatever reason last year. So uh, got to start the home cooking and, and get some early wins and, they play the Cavs next week, so that'll be a good test for them. But um, yeah, they definitely have to protect home court, and um, I see them. I see them winning a handful of these games. I think uh, they've definitely turned a corner. Uh, they went four and two on their circus road trip, so I think you're going to start to see the Bulls play some really good basketball coming up. But um, again, I think the jury is still out. I think we have to see how they handle adversity. You know, how Wade plays on back-to-backs. And the biggest thing is Butler and Hoiberg. What is their relationship really like? It was really bad last year. They worked on it this summer. It appears to be a little bit better this year, but I think that relationship will really be tested once adversity and losing starts to happen, if it does happen. So 
you know, let's see what happens with them. But it's definitely definitely a good start, and I can tell you one thing: the fans are definitely relieved to see some of that turmoil and dysfunction gone from last year. Yeah, so many fascinating storylines to watch in Chicago this season. We'll have to wait and see. Thanks again, Ashish. Oh, absolutely, no problem, guys.